All right, if you want to take your Bibles and go ahead and get into the book of Ephesians, we're in Ephesians chapter 6 today. But I just want to ask you a question as we kick this thing off. Can you feel it? Woo! You know what I'm talking about. Can you feel it? Listen, I wonder, do you ever feel like the enemy's closing in on you? Do you ever feel like maybe when you're alone at night or you're doing your finances or maybe you're taking your kids to school or whatever the case is that, you know, can you feel it? Can you feel the war that's going on around you? Because this war is happening all the time. I don't know, can you, can you feel it sometimes in the morning when it's, when it's hard to get up? You know, or it's hard to, to get going and, and do what, what you know that you're supposed to do. Have you ever felt like that throughout the day you're trying to make positive changes and you're going in the, in the right direction, but everything that you do is counteracted by some kind of force of nature? You guys with me? Can you feel it? Like, there is a war going on that's, that's all around us. I've I got a feeling that I'm not alone, that you guys can feel this too. Maybe you feel it sometimes when your flesh is so easy to go against God. And, and how hard it is to just simply walk the straight and narrow. Yeah? You can feel that. You can feel that tension that's going on all around you. And sometimes even coming from within yourself because of our sin and because we're sinners, right? Um, listen, I, I, I want to just share this with you. From the beginning of time and even before that, there has been a war that is raging. And this war that's raging is something that we're right in the middle of. It's a war between good and evil. It's the script of every movie. It's the plot of every book. The war is happening. You see it over and over again. We are at war. Now, a lot of times when you hear about Christianity and you hear what God's doing in, in, in people's lives and, and when people talk about being saved and they talk about heaven and they talk about being forgiven of sin, sometimes they miss and, and don't represent the fact that there is an enemy out there. That's right. yeah. And that when you become a part of the family of God, you have joined a side yeah. yep. at that point. And if you've not felt the war up to that point, you're about to feel it. Because it is all around you. Listen, when we talk about, when we talk about the, this war that's going on, let me see if I can sum it up for you just very quickly. On one side you have God, the King, the Creator of all things. He loves us, he loves the world and everything in it. On the other side, you, you, have, you have the creature, you have that angelic being who, who rejected his place that God had given him and said, you know what, I want to be king. In the midst of that, you have human beings. In the midst of that war that's going on between good and evil, a battle for the throne, you've got us here as human beings and we're frail, we're weak, we're weak of heart, we're weak of mind, we're frail because of our sin, uh, we're, we're, we're small, we have no stature to stand up against these things, but yet here we are caught in the crossfire of this thing that's going on. Now listen, let me be honest with you, Satan, which is that evil angel that decided he was going to leave his post and, and reject the things of God and want to be God himself, Satan does not care about you. He doesn't care about you. He's not necessarily trying to get worshipers and trying to get you. He has one desire, and that is to take over the throne of God. But the problem is, is that when you become a child of God, you now stand in his way. 
You become a force to be reckoned with because you're now a child of God and therefore a force of God. That's the only reason why Satan cares about you. He's not trying to have you. He's trying to get rid of you so that he can have his throne. That's all he wants. God, on the other hand, is not that way. And as the battle rages on, we know that, that God, to God, we are that prized possession of the Lord. That when he created the earth and all the things that are in it, he had us in mind. He created it for us. We are that prized possession that God loves. And he loved us so much that he sent his only begotten son to die on the cross for us. That we could have a personal relationship with him. That's what God desires. And so God is the one then who fights for us. Isn't that amazing? It, listen, in the midst of this war, because if I just left you with the fact that there is an angel that is a fallen angel, and he's got his army of fallen angels that is after you, that would be a sad thing. But listen, the blessing is, is that as a child of God and knowing God, you're a part of the family of God, and the Bible tells us that he is our high tower, that he will come up against the, the foes of the wicked one, and he will fight for you. Amen. Amen. And then we're drawn into that battle and we fight for him. He fights for us. We fight for him. Welcome to spiritual warfare. This is what we're talking about in Ephesians chapter 6. And I want you to take your Bibles and I want you to turn over there. I'm going to present this to you in a way that you've probably never heard before. Um, get used to that. Um, because here's what I want you to understand. As we've been learning through the book of Ephesians, we've been learning that this is not about individuals. This is about the church. Right? This is about the, the way that the church functions and the way that the church is supposed to function together. God has never intended for you to be a lone soldier out there by yourself trying to do this. He wants an army around you to get this thing done. Right? So as we talk about this together, we've got to put it in the context of the church. And, and here's basically what we're going to do. Today we're going to talk about seven things that you need to know about the enemy. And we're also going to talk about seven things that you have to combat the enemy. So as we get into the scriptures a little bit, here's what it says. As we look at Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 10, it says this, finally, right? We're finally at the end of Ephesians, right? But he says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. I've got to stop there for just a second and just emphasize the scriptures that we're reading. He does not tell you to be strong in your own might. He right. says to be strong right. in his might. Amen. How strong is the Lord? How strong is he to come up against the enemy and, and to fight against the, the, the wiles of the devil? Listen, he's much stronger than I am. And what I need to do is just yield to the fact that Jesus lives in me and that the power of the Holy Spirit is in me because I know this, in myself, I'm already defeated. In myself, I'm already defeated. But in Christ, I'm more than conquerors because of, because of him, not because of me. He says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Now I'm going to stop there for a second because there's some of you that are even wondering, and even if we were to take a poll of Christianity as a whole, there are a lot of Christians who do not believe in the devil. I don't know why that is, 
Because if you believe the scriptures and you believe the things of the scriptures, you will, you must believe in the devil because he is from cover to cover. Amen. You see him show up the very first thing after man is created. The first thing that happens, Genesis chapter 3, is the serpent comes on the scene. The Bible tells us in Revelation that that serpent is the devil, the, the old dragon, right? It's all the same person. He's been from the beginning and even before that. And as you look at the end, he's the one that's bound and cast into hell for just a season before he's loosed at the end of the millennial time. He's from cover to cover. Satan exists. Amen. He exists. Demons exist. You see, one of the things that I'm really careful of is the things that I that I, that I watch on TV or, or, or at the movies, you know, because sometimes we think that it's all make-believe, especially when we're talking about demonic uh, oppression and, and, and possession and all those kinds of things. Listen, all those things are very prevalent and active throughout the scriptures and throughout the Bible. You need to know that those things are going on. And I love, I say I love, it's really interesting to me the way that Satan wants to just dull down our minds and just think that this is commonplace or that it's just all make-believe. Because then he has free reign to do whatever he wants. Right. We need to understand the schemes of the devil. We need to understand the way that he works. And that's what he says here. Finally, listen, if you're going to be the church that's going to be unleashed on the community, you better understand that there is opposition to that. Do you really think that we're going to go door to door over here and there's not going to be satanic forces that are against us as we preach the gospel? You better believe that they are. Now listen, and here's the thing. I'm not trying to scare you. I'm not trying to make you give money this morning by talking about the devil. That's not what this is about. It's just reality. It's the facts of life. He exists. But here's what I want you to understand. There's good news for you today. If you receive Jesus as I have, you can, you can be on the side of God who wins. Amen. You can, you can win. You don't have to lose. The scripture is so, so pointed here when it talks about these seven things that we need to know. I, I, I've given you guys sheets today. And the reason why I handed those out, I don't always do that, but I wanted you guys to have this information so that you can have the scripture verses that are going to go along with them. I'm going to put them up on the screen for you, but if you want to take this home, you want to study it out for yourself, that way you'll have the verses that you can look at. So here's the first thing that we need to know about Satan. Because at the end of verse number 13, it says this. Verse 13 says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. You need to learn to stand. Amen. That's right. I wonder, is your ground shaky? What does it take for the devil to get the best of you? What does it take for you to lose this war? Because you see, here's the first one. This is your first blank. He is the devil, right? This is what we know about Satan. He's the devil. But that word devil means accuser. That's what the word devil means. Now that's really important when you understand the rest of the scripture because in Revelation chapter 12 and verse number 10 it says, And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power of the kingdom of our God and, and, and the authority of his Christ has come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down who accuses them day and night before our God. Mm. So the very people that God so lovingly has saved and so lovingly has given forgiveness and salvation through the blood of Christ too, Satan is constantly before God's face saying, look at Alan, look at Ray, look at Bill, look at Kim, look what they do in the midst of your salvation 
what they do, and they're accusing. He's accusing over and over again. But listen, as you look there, it's Revelation chapter 12, because at the end of time, let me tell you what happened. The accuser of the brethren is taken out. Amen. And salvation comes. But we need to understand that he is the accuser. Satan's watching. You know, we talk about how God is keeping record. If you're a saved individual, if you've accepted the blood of Christ for your sin, then he's keeping record for your reward. But listen, there's somebody else keeping records too. It's the enemy. He wants to get as much dirt on you as he can. He wants to, he wants to provoke God with your actions as much as possible. You see, that's why it's so important when you understand the book of Job. When you look at the book of Job and you see that Satan came and presented himself unto God, and God said to Job, or God said to, to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? An upright man, one who fears God and eschews evil. Have you considered him? You're doing all this accusing. Can you see what's happening in heaven there? As God comes, he says, Here, accuser, let me give you this one. How about Job? You see, I'm going to be that kind of person. I'm going to be that kind of man where God can say, what about Bill? Have you considered my servant Bill? One who walks with me, who's upright, he's righteous. Amen. Man, I feel the weight of my sin when I sin. Amen. Because I just know that the enemy is laughing at me and laughing at the face of God. Do you feel it? There's an enemy, there's an enemy, there's a war that's raging. He's the accuser of the brother. The next thing that we know about him is that his name is Satan, right? All through the scriptures, he's called Satan. That means adversary. He's the one who opposes God. He, he is, in fact, the enemy of God. The other thing that we need, before I give you another scripture, he's a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. A roaring lion. Now listen, have you ever seen lions hunt? Have you ever watched maybe... Uh, have you, ever, have you ever watched like uh, National Geographic and you see, okay, number one, the lions don't hunt, right? It's the lionesses that go hunting, right? So they get out there, but, but here's what happens is that they'll find a flock of something, whether a gazelle or whatever it is, right? So they'll find a, a, a flock of animals. And then you know what they'll do? They'll look for the sick. They'll look for the, for, for the wounded. And listen to me, and they look for the ones who've run off. You see, they're not willing, they're not willing, it's too much work to get into the middle of that flock, right? Because if they get in the, in the middle of all those gazelles, they do have the ability to, to ward off and to fight off because they outnumber the lions who are trying to hunt them, right? Listen, the same thing applies in this church setting. Let me tell you what happens. Let me tell you what the scripture is trying to get us to understand. Like a roaring lion, what's going to happen is that if you stray off, you're going to find yourself very, very much in the enemy's camp, and they're going to get the best of you. So how do you, how do you stay safe? You get in the group. That's what this is about. We're going to talk about that here in just a second. So here's the verse I want to give you. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 8 says, Be sober-minded, but watchful. Be sober-minded. That means know what's going on around you. You need to understand the wiles of the devil and the things that are happening. He says, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. 
Here's something that we also know about him. He's the tempter. He's the tempter. Um, you ever been tempted by the devil? You ever been tempted by the things of the devil? You ever been tempted? Listen, when you say devil and adversary, you need to understand that that would be more than just Satan himself. That would also be the demonic forces that are running this place. And there are temptations everywhere. But we know that when Jesus, before he started his earthly ministry, and this is in Matthew 4 and in Luke chapter 4, you guys ought to read that. Because as Satan comes up against him, he's constantly trying to use God's word against God. And he comes and he tempts Jesus. Listen, if Satan is willing to tempt Jesus, I'll guarantee you he's willing to tempt you. And I wish that we had the wherewithal that we could stand like Jesus stood. But how did Jesus stand against the wiles of the devil? How did he stand against those temptations? It was really only one way. It was the word of God. He constantly would come back and say, thus saith the Lord. Here's what the Lord says. We need to be the same way. But listen, I'll be honest with you. As Christians, what happens to us so many times is that we find ourselves wandering off Doing whatever it is that we're doing, the flock's going one way, and, and, and here are all the gazelles are going. Would you say, you know what? I see a little flower over here. I'm going to come check out the little flower. Right? And all of a sudden, everybody else is moving a different direction, and you're here off by yourself. And what you don't understand is that the devil is like a roaring lion prowling around, seeking whom he may devour. And you just made yourself a really tasty target. Why? Because you're not with the flock. You're not under the protection that God has given you. And you've made yourself susceptible to the enemy. I'm telling you. He's also a murderer. He's a tempter. He's a murderer. John 10.10 10 says this, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I came that, that, that they may have life and have it abundantly. He says, listen, and Jesus is constantly trying to say, listen, there are two forces out there. You've got the thief out there. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy, but I come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. And you have to choose. But he is a murderer. Make no mistake about that. And then the last thing that I want you to know about Satan is that he is the prince and the power of the air, the master of the circumstances of this world. You need to hear this one. This one's going to hit closer to home than what you might think. Number one, Satan, when you think about him, do not think about him ruling hell. There is no ruler in hell. If there is a ruler in hell, his name is Jesus, where he has the keys to death and hell. <laughs> But Satan is not the ruler. He has no throne down there. He has no pitchfork. And he's not ruling anything. But that's not where he's at anyway. Listen to me closely. The Bible tells us beyond a shadow of a doubt that he is the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience that is now working. He is now running this place. Can you not see it? Please don't think that this is the way that God wanted it to be or is organizing it to be. All of this is moving to hell in a handbasket because Satan is running it. And he's moving it that way on purpose. You say, well, why would God allow such a thing? Because he wants to know who you're going to choose. 
Amen. The question is very simple because people ask that question all the time. Why would God allow Satan to even exist? If he's going to cause all this havoc, he's going to do all these things. Listen, because God wants a people who loves him the way that he loves us. Amen. It's a two-way street. God's not just trying to make everybody love him. He says, I want a people that will choose me. I will be their God. They will be my people. Amen. You have to choose. Amen. And if you want to go the ways of Satan, and you want to walk in the circumstances of Satan, you can do that. Listen, do you not think that Satan would give you a better job if it moved you away from here? Do you not think he would give you more money if it caused you to quit going to church and, and, and get out of the ways of God and quit, quit winning people to Christ? Listen, do you not think he would bring that relationship into your life, maybe that old flame that, that you used to do all that sin with, and all of a sudden you start trying to follow Jesus and they hit you up on the phone? Like, hey, I was just thinking about you. Like, yeah, I bet you were. <laughs> Satan. <laughs> you know, you guys know, you know exactly what I'm talking about. He's probably used that on all of us. He does it over and over again, right? You're like, no thanks. I'm moving on. Right? Now, if that person comes back in your life, and all of a sudden, if they want to go to church and they want to start serving the Lord, I, let me just make them prove themselves out. Because the devil always comes as what? An angel of light. He presents himself very well. That's why he gets people to buy in all the time. Say, so, well, this has got to be of God. When you're talking about the enemy, know this. Know this. Where does God reside right now? If you're a Christian, where does God reside? On our inside, right? We know it's not, we're not talking about that beating muscle. We're talking about in our soul, in our spirit, uh, in our inner conscience. God is there. Amen? Amen? So here's the blessing. Here's what God has done for you. God has said, listen, I don't need circumstance. Right? I'm going to tell you first. I'll tell you on the inside. And then after I tell you on the inside, I'll prove it out with the circumstance. You see, the devil, he can't do that. He works, he works from the outside in. And I'll talk about that here in a second. But he, he always works through the circumstance to try to confuse you. And in that confusion, you sit back and you say, well, man, I don't know what to do. I don't really know what the will of God is. But this really looks good. Listen, if God didn't tell you first, if you don't have the peace of God that passes all understanding, you need to pass that by. Yep. Amen. Because God will tell you first. I'm telling you. He loves you that much. And not only that, he wants you to know that he's not lying on the devil. Because when we talk about these enemies, I don't want you to, I don't want you to at all think that we're talking about that they're equals. For they are not equals. Right. So the next That's thing right. I want you to understand is what Satan is not. Because you have the king and the creator, and then you have a creature who's mad. Right. So let's talk about the difference here. Here's some things, and I don't think you guys have blanks for these, so let me just run through these. Here's what Satan, um, he, he is real, but this is what he's not. He's not God. That's right. He doesn't create anything. Nope. He's really a, cre a creature just like you and I. He's going to suffer the same penalty that every other creature that rejects God is going to suffer. That's right. He's not any better than, than us. The Bible proves that out over and over again. He's not God. Let me throw some big words at you. He's not omnipresent. 
And you need to know this about the devil. Okay? He's not omnipresent. What does that mean? Everywhere. Okay, is God omnipresent? Yes. yes. God is everywhere. He's not bound by time. He's not bound by circumstances. He's not bound by matter, right? We know that God is everywhere all the time, including in you, if you accept him as your Lord and Savior, right? The devil is not that way. He's a creature. He's not the creator. So he's not above time. He's not above all these things. He is living in it just like the rest of creation is living in that. And he is bound to the rules that God has set. So he's not omnipresent. He has one location. Now, here's what you need to understand. This is where the this is where the demonic forces come in. Because you need to understand he has reg regiments, he has armies, he has people. Uh, I say people, he, there are people as well. But he has demonic forces that are running areas. Okay? And again, you see this proved out all, especially in the Old Testament. That they're the prince of Persia, or they're the prince of whatever, and they've got that control and they report back to him and get instruction from him. Okay? A little bit different than the relationship that we have with our Lord and Savior. He's not omniscient. That means all-knowing, right? Now, listen, Satan thinks that he can win. He really does. Does he know the Bible? I'm sure he's read it. But he doesn't know the Bible any better than a lost guy out there. Somebody who doesn't have the Holy Spirit living inside them. He's not any better than that. He knows what it says, but he doesn't believe it. He doesn't think that that's the way it's going to... Isn't that the same way that people are today? Whenever you say, you know, you're basing everything on this book, but who says that book is from God? And listen, don't you know Satan believes the same thing? He knows the end of the story according to the Bible. He knows that he loses. He just doesn't believe it. And there's a whole lot of guys, there's a whole lot of gals that are walking around today and say, you know what, I just don't believe that thing. I know what it says. I know the judgment is coming. I know all those things. I just don't believe it. Listen, whether you believe it or not does not change the fact. Right. And whether Satan believes it or not does not change the fact. That's right. He's still going to lose. Amen. But he's not all-knowing. See, that's why God, and I love as you read the scriptures, you know what, you know what God is constantly doing? He's taking the bad that Satan does and he turns it around for for good. Uh, I love I love that story of, of, of Joseph, right? You get Joseph where his brothers hate him because he's the favorite son. He gets thrown into the pit. He gets sold into slavery. He gets falsely accused. He gets thrown into prison. He's left in prison and, and he finally gets it stands before the king and he ends up saving the very brothers from hunger. That threw him in the pit to begin with. And what does he say? What you meant for evil, God has meant for good. Amen. <laughs> Do you know what I see in a lot of your lives? There's been some rough stuff. You've fallen into some traps. You found yourself right at the mercy of the adversary. Relationships destroyed. Marriages destroyed. People destroyed. Let me tell you the blessing of the gospel. Is that God can take all of that mess that Satan has caused in your life and he can turn it into good. Amen. He can bring good out of it. You say, Pastor, I can't see that. I'm telling you this. You walk with God long enough. He will redeem you. Amen. And make it good. That's what he does. That's what he does. I think that's the way that God laughs in the face of Satan. You 
think you've got this figured out. You think that you're that you're destroying my people, but let me show you this. With just a with, with just a thought, I'll take what you meant for evil and I'll turn it into something for good. And all of a sudden you're you've got a testimony that you can share with people and, and people can come to Christ through your testimony because you know what? People look at you and they say, you know what, with all the struggles that you've been through, everything that's happened to you, if you can follow Christ, if you can find a way out, then maybe I can find a way out. Amen. And listen, I've done a lot of recovery ministry, and in that recovery ministry, I always tell that person who's recovered, and it's usually after they've recovered for at least four years, I say, okay, let's go back, and let's see if we can't find some of these guys. But here's what happens. The guys that are still stuck in that mess of, uh, of the drug addictions and all the addictions that they have, they come to those individuals and they say, wait a minute, how did you get out? How did you do it, man? And then they have an opportunity to share Christ and say, I did not do it on my own. Amen. It was the Lord in me. Right. And only the Lord in me. And you can have it too. What a blessing. Amen. God does that. So we know that Satan is not omnipresent, he's not omniscient, he doesn't know everything. Listen to me, he cannot read your mind. He cannot read your mind. And he can mess with your mind. And he can't read your mind. Listen, let me tell you, isn't it a blessing that you can pray and you don't have to say a word? Because God knows your thoughts. God knows what you're going to pray even before you pray, but the devil doesn't. Now, I've even had some people say, well, that's why I don't pray out loud, because I don't want the devil to hear. Listen, in the face of Satan and in the presence of God, pray. Because there ain't nothing he can do about it. Amen. You just pray. But the nice thing is he can't read your mind. He doesn't know uh, your thoughts, but he does know this. He does know how your mind works. That's right. Now, think about this. He's been doing this a long time. Satan's been around since the beginning of, of human history that we know of, and, it, and even before that, right? Because we know that there was some time that he was the anointed cherub that covered and all those kind of things when he fell from grace and before he came, became Satan. But when the human history comes, so we know that he's got at least, at least 6,000 years of watching people fall over and over and over again. So he knows what's going to cause you to fall. He knows the things that are going to move you in the directions that he wants to move you. And these are the places that we need to stand firm. Mm, right. Knowing what you would decide. Listen, here's the, here's the key. You know when you're going to sin. You know the traps that are set for you because sometimes you set the traps yourself. But listen, here's what you need to do. Is that in the midst of that trial, knowing that you would normally go that way is when you need to say, Oh God, would you give me the strength to do something different and to move in a different direction. Amen. Because he knows what you're going to do. The devil knows the way that you think. There is no sin but that is common to man, the Bible says. Yeah. Right. Tricks. You know, and that's why the Bible says also that, you know, if you, you see your brother overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering your own selves, lest you also be tempted. Why? Because we can all fall. That's right. That's right. We can all fall. See, that's why I never get high and mighty, and I'll be honest with you, that's why I never let people put me up on a pedestal. I'll tell you about my sin, because I don't want you throwing me up there just sparking a fall for me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? 
I got the same struggles that you do. I got the same struggles that are common to man. I got to pray just like you do. I got to get in my word just like you do. I have to stand fast on the things and the promises of God just like you do. It doesn't come any easier for me than it does for you. It's just about choices. Amen. Amen. It's just about choices. Now, here's what I do know. The longer that you walk with God and the longer you make the right choices, the easier it is to make the right choices. Right? I use the example of coffee. Do you guys remember when you were kids, the first time you tried coffee? How many of you liked coffee the first time you put it in your mouth? Can I see your hand? Okay, a few of you. <laughs> Most of you, and some of you guys are probably lying, but most of you, that's not the case. You put coffee in your mouth and listen, it's nasty. It is. I mean, it's nasty. But you know what? Think about it. This is the way we are as sinners, is that we begin to acquire a taste for the nasty. Right? We begin to acquire a taste for the nasty, and all of a sudden it's like, man, roast that thing up because I love it. It's just as nasty as the first time you tried it. You just acquired a taste. Right? Isn't that the way sin works? Whether it be pornography or fornication or homosexuality or you know what's happening? You've acquired a taste. Doesn't make it any better. Doesn't make it any more fun. It doesn't make it any less destructive. You've just acquired a taste. But the blessing is, is that you can also acquire a taste for the things of God. Amen. Right. You can acquire a taste for the, the spiritual things where the Bible says, where God, uh, it, through Jesus, says, listen, I'm looking for those who would hunger and thirst after righteousness. Because the more, the more righteous decisions you make, the more you want to be righteous. You're either climbing up the ladder or you're falling down the ladder, one or two. But you're never staying the same. You're going to have to make choices. The question is, what are you acquiring your taste buds for? I'll be honest with you. I love ministry. I love helping people. I love when people come to me and say, hey, how do I fix my, my marriage? And I say, well, according to the Bible, there it is. Right? Well, okay, that's fine. But wait, I say, and I did it. I tried that, and it actually does work. The Bible has never steered me wrong. Not one time. That's right. Every time I do what the Bible says, I end up on the better because of it. So I come to you and I say the same thing. Let's acquire a taste. Listen, we've already acquired a taste for the nasty because that's our nature. That's, that's who we are. We, we love coffee. We love cigarettes. We love these things that are nasty. <laughs> but we require a taste. And we need to get to that place in our spiritual life and, and, and in this battle that's raging, you say, you know what? I'm going to eat something good. I'm going to have something good for my life. And we begin to pour in the word of God into our lives because these are the very things that are going to help us and the things that we're going to talk about here in a moment. So he can't read your mind, but he does know the weakness of people. The last thing is this. He is not uh, uh, omniscient. He, he's not, um, not all-powerful. Satan is not all-powerful. God is the only one. He's the only one that is all-powerful. Demonic forces are real. I'm going to just answer these questions. I'm going to do this very quickly because I just want you to... So these questions will come up if I don't put them on here. 
So uh, what about demons? What about ghosts? What about uh, all these different things, these, these forces? You know, we've got tons of TV shows out now about people trying to find ghosts and all these kind of things. All right, so let me just see if I can sum this up. Talking about people who lived on this earth first. Let's not talk about demons. Let's just talk about us. When you die, the Bible says very clearly that to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. Two things. One of two things is going to happen to you when you pass from this life. Either you're going to be with God in eternity in Jesus Christ, or you're going to be without God in hell. But you are not hanging out here. That's what I know. You're not hanging out here. Okay? You're not trying to find the portal. You're not looking for the light. Uh, you're not you're not wanting to get revenge. Um, you're not you don't love your house so much that you're you, you know that you're the shadow in the closet. These things are not what God's word tells us. What it says is, is that as a person, it's appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. Period. That's it. You're either going to be with him in heaven, or you're going to be without him in hell. Now, we do know this. We do know that there are fallen angels. There are demonic forces that are around. And I do believe that they feed on fear. And so they, they do that. Now listen, by the way, religion also feeds on fear. Right? So if I can get you afraid, then I can manipulate you and I can tell you to do whatever I want you to do if, I, if in fact I've got you afraid. I'm just taking the curtain back and telling you the way religion works. Right? Um, but here's the thing. We don't, we don't have religion here. We have a relationship. We have a relationship. So I'm not trying to pull the wool over your eyes to make you do something. I'm trying to just get you to fall in love with the one who loves you. Amen. Okay. But nevertheless, there are demons that are out there. Now here's what you need to understand about that. There is a thing of demon possession. Uh, there are many passages in scripture that will tell you that. They will show you that and give you an example of when a demonic being takes over a person. Okay? Um, and so some of the stories that you hear of weird voices and all that, that stuff is true. Okay? But you need to understand this. You cannot be possessed by the devil and be possessed by the Lord Amen. at the same That's time. Right. God is not going to share you with the devil. And if he has spent the blood of his son to save you, redeem you, and indwell you, you are already possessed Amen. by God. Amen. And he's not going to share you say, well, what's the scriptural basis for that? There, are, there is no place in the scripture that you ever see a Christian that is possessed of a demon. Never. So really, it's proven out by omission. It's never in there. But we do see people being possessed. But when they come to Christ, like the, the man running through the tombs naked, right? The crazy man who they couldn't keep chained and... You know, he had supernatural forces, literally. I mean, if you read the story, that's exactly what he's saying. They had supernatural strength. Uh, he was doing all kinds of crazy things, trying to kill himself until he met Jesus. So listen, when he met Jesus, the Bible says he was in his right mind, in, and he was clothed and seated at the feet of Jesus. Amen. Yep. Yep. The demons were gone. That's right. God does not share. Amen? Amen. Amen. I want that to be a blessing to you. But listen, this stuff is real. Don't be messing around with it. 
Don't be messing around with stuff, with Ouija boards. Don't be messing around with narcotics. Listen, let me tell you. Some of you guys come out of that world. You've experienced, you, you, you've taken some of those hallucinogenic drugs and, or different things like that, whether it be uh, PCP or whether it be cocaine or whether it be heroin or these kind of things. And listen, when you start talking to people like that, you know what they say? I've seen a demon. Right? How many of you guys have ever heard that? How many, how, is anybody here to say, I, I've seen a demon? Listen, it's real. Because the Bible will specifically tell you that narcotics will open up doorways and pathways that you're not supposed to be opening up. Right? right? So don't do that. Don't, don't do that. Right? Because, uh, listen to me, a Christian can be oppressed. That's right. He can't be possessed on the inside, but he can be oppressed from the outside. Listen, I don't know if you've ever had those experiences at 2 o'clock in the morning. It always seems to be, you know, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning where you wake up and you just, you know that there's things going on that you did not initiate. You, you know what I'm saying? There's a fear in you. Um, sometimes you're paralyzed with fear. Am I the only one? You guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Okay. Here's how I deal with that. Because I do believe that there's demonic oppression. Listen, as a pastor, I'm trying to lead you guys in the ways of righteousness. I know that the devil's coming up against me. I know this, right? But here's what I do when I'm paralyzed with fear. Put the covers over my head. Because <laughs> if you can't see me, you can't hurt me, right? No, no. Actually, I do put the covers over my head sometimes. But I pray. Amen. This is what I say, Lord. Whatever this is, because I don't understand. Can I just be honest? I don't understand all of it. I, I don't understand all the demonic stuff. And, and, and all honesty, I'm not even trying to do that. I'm not even trying to understand all that. I do good to understand the truth of God. Okay, so I, I spend my time focused on that. But I just pray and I say, God, I'm yours. And I know that I'm bought with the price of your precious blood and, and from your son. So whatever this thing is, Here's what I say, Lord. My life is yours. If you want to give it to them, it's yours for the giving. But I would ask for your protection. And I would ask that you just take this thing away and let me sleep. And sometimes, before my prayer is over, I am sawing logs, it will testify, <laughs> like a baby in the hands of the Lord Amen. as he protects me. Just call on the name of the Lord. There's power in the name of Jesus. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. There's power in the name of Jesus. And I'm just not talking about let's just use the name of Jesus anytime we want to. But I'm telling you that as an ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ in the high court of God, as princes and, and, and princesses of, of the kingdom of God, you have power in the things that you say, and you can command the demons to leave you alone. Amen. Amen. You can do it. That's right. Because that's how powerful our God is. That's right. Listen, search the scriptures. That's why I gave you the sheets today. Search it out. You're going to see the same thing. So I love this. Little children, 1 John 4, 4, little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. 
All right, so here's the seven things. I, I'm, actually, uh, I'm actually out of time. We're going to hit these really quick. Um, here, here's the seven things that you need. Now, in understanding these seven things of the Spirit, let me sum them up for you very quickly. They're all going to be the Word of God. Every single one of them. Do you know what's lacking in Christianity today? People don't know the Bible. Amen. They don't have a clue what the Bible says. So, not only that, but they also want to take these uh, the, the, these things um, uh, the, uh, for spiritual warfare, these, these weapons, and they want to make them personal to themselves. If I could show you in the Greek or even in the King James, you know how we got rid of the King James because of the these and the thous, right? We didn't understand uh, how to read all that stuff. Well, what it was actually doing, it was defining for you whether it was talking about you as an individual or whether it's talking about you as plural. So if the word ye is used, then he's talking to the he's talking to the, the, the group, right? Um, for example, we use the word you. And if I say, John, I'm talking to you, right? Or if I say to you guys, I'm talking to you, we use it either way, right? Uh, in the King James, I would say I'm talking to thee. And there would be no question that I'm talking to only John, right? But we understand that in today's world, we make up stuff. Like if you're in Missouri, it's Ewans, right? Uh, if you're here, it's probably you guys or y'all. If you're up, if you're uh, in Midwest, North Midwest, it's going to be you guys for sure, right? And so what's happened is, is that because... We've digressed a little bit in our English language. We've had to make up some stuff to try to figure out who we're talking to. So when you're looking at this passage, though, you need to understand that he's talking to the entire church. He's talking to the group. This is not necessarily something that you're supposed to take on individually, but that we're supposed to take on as a body. The very first thing it says is that we're supposed to be girded with that belt of truth. Right? We have that belt of truth on. That's God's word. God's word is truth. John, uh, John 17, 17 says, sanctify them through that truth. Your word is truth. You need to live in the truth of God in your life. You know, the, the devil is the accuser, not only to, to God, but he's also the accuser to you. Like, he's constantly telling you you're not good enough, isn't he? He's, he's constantly trying to tear you down. He's not trying to edify you or build you up. He wants to tear you down. Listen, but you need to live in the truth that God has said for you, which is you are my child, you are forgiven, you are free. Amen. That's the way we need to live. The second thing we need is the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness. What does that mean? Psalm 119.11 says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Amen. Anytime you see somebody who effectively defeats Satan in their life or, or the wiles of the devil, it's because they're combating it with the word of God. So why wouldn't the devil try to take out the very thing that combats him? Why wouldn't he try to make Christianity so wishy-washy that nobody knows and nobody knows the Bible any longer, so you have nothing to combat him with. Listen, some of you guys, you keep losing the battle because you will not be discipled. You will not let anybody speak into you the truth of the scriptures. You won't let anybody teach you the things that you need to know so that you can stand. Listen, we're not trying to get you to go through some kind of program just because I wrote some lessons. What I'm trying to do is instill in you the truth that you need so that when the devil comes up against you, in the midst of the trial, you can stand. Amen. And you can stand on your own. 
with the power of God. There's no other way. That's right. The breastplate of righteousness. As a church body, listen, if our church ever quits preaching out of this book, if I start telling you guys uh, what, I, what I did on vacation and that's the message, please go somewhere else. Yep. You hear me? What I want to do is I want to present to you the Word of God, not because it's boring. Oh, no, quite the opposite. Because it is the, the very thing that will bring you life. Amen. And you need it. As, as a church, we're going to preach the truth. We're going to put on that breastplate of righteousness. That means individually we're going to live righteous so that collectively we are righteous. Amen. Oh, I need to say that again. Yeah. Right? Individually, we're going to live righteous so that collectively we are righteous. Amen. That's the breastplate of righteousness. You know, I hear people say, man, I get up every morning. The first thing I do is I put on the, 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 uh, the armor of God. You know, what? But what does that mean? That's not what it's saying. That's not what the scripture is saying. There's not some, you know, uh, enchantment or formula that you're going to do that's going to put some kind of hedge of protection around you. No, that's not what he's saying. Let me tell you what you need to do. Get into a body of believers who believes the truth about God and is living righteously for him. That's what's going to protect you. Those are the things that's going to put that, the, the, that armor around you. The next thing is the, uh, the, the shoes of the gospel. Listen, if you're in a church and they're not preaching the gospel, they're not trying to, to, to save people, you need to really consider, am I in the right place? Because the gospel is the answer for the world. Amen. So here's what he says. In, in, in Romans 10, 15, he says, And how, and how are they to, to preach unless they are sinned? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. We also need the shield of faith. We need the shield of faith. I was going to bring up a picture. You know, if I had a shield, right? Uh, the Bible says that you need that shield of faith so that you can so you can ward off all the fiery darts uh, that are coming at you, right? Um, but have you ever seen an army with shields? You see, what they do is they have shields in the front, but then a guy who's standing behind them, they'll take their shields and they'll put it on the top. So now you've got a shield in the front, you've got a shield on the side. And then you've got the guys that are that are at the ends. They'll take their shields and they'll swing them over to the sides. And all of a sudden, you've got this block army that's impetrable because of their shields. Listen, if you've got your shield of faith, praise God, but you've got three exposed sides, you know what you need? You need a church body that will gather around you and say, listen, I'm going to put mine in the front. You put yours on the side. I'm going to put mine up here on the top. We're going to be covered Amen. in faith. The shield of faith. And we all work together to get there. We need the helmet of salvation. James 1.21 says, Therefore, put away all filthiness and, and um, um, rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the, in, uh, the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Receive it. That's your helmet. That's your protection. Is your salvation. You never can forget that. And then the sword of the spirit. I love Hebrews chapter 12 where it says, For the word of God is, is, is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing Amen. even the dividing of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Listen, all these things come straight from the word of God. I will not fail to preach to you and to teach you God's word, for it is the only way that you can stand 
in the wiles of the devil. It is the only way that our church will survive the attacks of the devil. And then the last one, prayer. Prayer for the saints. I love this in, in finishing it out in Ephesians 6, 18. He says, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to, to that end. Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And notice what Paul says. And also for me, that words may be given to me in, in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. You know what I love about Paul is he said, listen, would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? I'm out here. I'm trying to, you know, you know what I think? I think that Paul had the exact same problems that we do. I think that Paul, sometimes he would walk away from a conversation and he'd be like, oh man, I should have presented the gospel. That was a perfect time. The Holy Spirit was moving me and I missed it. You ever feel that? See, I think Paul was the same way. And so he asked for prayer, just like I asked for prayer. Listen, would you pray for me that I would open my mouth boldly and speak the things that I know that I'm supposed to speak of the gospel? I'll tell you what, you pray for me, I'll pray for you. Amen. And as a church body, we'll go out together and we'll see some people get saved because God will put words in our mouths. Amen. Because we pray. And we ask God to do that. Do you not think he wants to do that? Do you not think he wants to save people? And he wants to use you to do it. These are the weapons of our warfare. This is the armor that God has given us. But it's not individually. It's not individually. It's collectively here in the church. Let me just make one last statement. One of the most popular things of the reason why people don't come to church is they're constantly saying, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. You show me a Christian that's outside of the body of Christ and I'll show you a failing Christian. Who do you know that's a Christian who's excelling in the things of God and excelling in the ministry of God out on their own and not in the vehicle that God died for through the Lord Jesus Christ to make that happen? You know what it is? It's a really convenient excuse to do nothing. And to do nothing is to be on the devil's team. Yeah? Amen. Because God, the Spirit of God, is moving forward. That's right. Putting this world to Christ. Amen. I'd like to have everybody bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment. I'm going to take just a second. I'm just going to ask you a couple of questions, and then we're going to come up and we're going to pray over these boxes. I just want to ask you this. Are you 100% sure that you have been born again. And what I mean by that is that I know you've been born because you're here. But the Bible says unless a man is born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. There is a time in everyone's life where you choose to either walk with Satan or you choose to walk with God. Where you give up rights to your life and you give those over to the Lord. And I'm asking you this morning, do you know 100% that your life has been bought with a price and that you are forgiven of your sin and that God is your heavenly Father? If that's not the case this morning, I do not want you leaving this building until you understand that God loves you so much that he has not left you to the devil. 
The devil longs to have you. He wants to devour you. He's a tempter, murderer, all the things that we talked about. But God says, listen, if you'll choose me, I'll take care of the devil. But you've got to choose. I've made that choice. You're going to see some people get baptized today who made that choice. My question is, do you need to make that choice today?